I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Today, indeed, Hello Soulmates, plenty to talk about on this MLK Day, January 16th. Welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report. I am Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelai Corte, especially on this King Day. We are honored to stand behind this desk each and every day to take you on a journey across black America and the stories that impact our people. We are dedicated to bringing you our news, our views and our voice. Topping the news today, almost 40 years ago today, President Ronald Reagan signed a bill making Martin Luther King's birthday a federal holiday. 18 years after his death, that sent anger and sadness through much of the nation. However, today, special ceremonies and events happening all across the nation to honor the legacy of the most iconic civil rights leader ever. Dr. King was on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel in Memphis getting ready to have dinner when he was shot and killed. James Earl Ray later confessed and was found guilty and sent to prison for Dr. King's murder. But conspiracy theories, of course, remained. Now, the area around the motel is now the National Civil Rights Museum. Today's event included songs and speeches paying tribute to Dr. King's legacy. And throughout our show, we'll also be honoring his legacy and contributions to the culture. President Biden makes history in Atlanta. He's the first sitting president to deliver a sermon at the same house of worship where Dr. King served as pastor. The president's message on Sunday to remember and honor Dr. King's legacy. He was joined and introduced by United States Senator Raphael Warnock, who also happens to be a reverend like Martin Luther King Jr. During Biden's sermon, he spoke on moving forward. Well, my message to the nation on this day is we go forward. We go together. When we choose democracy over autocracy, a beloved community over chaos. In 1960, Martin Luther King Jr. became co-pastor of the church with his father until his assassination in 1968. Since 2005, U.S. Senator Raphael Warnock has been the senior pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church and is the fifth person to serve as Ebenezer's senior pastor since its founding. And if you were expecting an Amazon package, it won't be coming today. Many still forget that Martin Luther King Day is a federal holiday, meaning several government offices are closed today. That includes the Postal Service, Social Security offices and DMVs. And for all you Wall Street watchers, the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ are also closed today as well. There are 10 states all in the South that celebrate Martin Luther King Day and at least one Confederate holiday. That's right, in 2023, states are still celebrating Confederate holidays and those states are on your screen. Lawmakers say that the states that continue to celebrate the wrong values highlights the country's struggle to reconcile its racist past. States like Mississippi and Alabama celebrate uh, MLK and Robert E. Lee, the losing general and slave holder on the same day, might I add. Defenders of these Confederate holidays and monuments say removing them would erase American history. Definitely huh? a, sp a special day. 
uh, today, as always, on January 16th, 15th, 16th, as we uh, continue to uh, commemorate. I think the thing that comes to mind is this particular generation, the MLK generation, we are unfortunately, you know, losing as they are, you know, moving on to, to join uh, the ancestors. And so each, each one of these uh, holidays becomes more and more special, especially when we can continue to tap in to those who stood shoulder to shoulder uh, with Dr. King. So always a special day to just take some time out, whether it's a, a day of service or maybe an off day, and you just tap in um, and reflect uh, about the message. And, and dig a little deeper, because I know we, we hone in on the I Have a Dream speech, but uh, Dr. King gave some amazing, incredible uh, speeches as he was the, the supreme orator, if you will. And you can really tap into the entire message, because as the civil rights movement uh, evolved and changed and faced challenges, so did some of his messages. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and what's so wonderful about this holiday, I think, is that it's just another opportunity for us to learn so much more about the hidden figures that uh, are still mm -hmm. among us. They may be mm -hmm. a whole lot older than they used to be, but uh, they're still among us. And, you know, it really speaks to the rich legacy that Dr. King has left behind, that has, has stood the test of time, decades and decades, That's you know, right. after uh, he walked this earth. Uh, there are so many young people at the time mm -hmm. that are now older people mm -hmm. who remember his work as a call to action. Uh, and uh, we get to celebrate MLK and we get to celebrate the generations of people that continue to hear that call That's to right. action. And, and plenty are still here because, you know, this was a movement of the young. You know, you talk about SNCC and so a lot of these folks might be in their late 60s, 70s, uh, 80s and, and, are, and are very much uh, with it and are able to uh, talk about and share uh, their experiences, which is also always fascinating because as, as someone, as, as, a, as a daughter of the um, uh, parents of the civil rights movement, you, you, you normally just read about it or you just might catch some stories here and there, but um, you know, as they are shared amongst all, they just become fascinating to me and, and, and just really illustrate um, that this thing was real, real, <laughs> real, real. That's right. Indeed. We're going to continue to uh, celebrate and uh, reflect on the holiday, but we also want to get into some other headlines. Let's go to San Francisco, where Mayor London Breed is now speaking out in support of a homeless woman seen on video being uh, hosed down uh, outside a gallery. You may have seen this over the weekend as that video this year went viral. Uh, Mayor Breed addressed the incident, calling it a, quote, assault. The man who sprayed the woman is uh, art gallery owner Collier Gwynn. He has since apologized for his actions. Gwynn and other business owners uh, in that area say they called police several times over the woman's disruptive behavior in the days leading up to the incident. Mayor Breed had this to say. As far as I'm concerned, it's assault, uh, and there should be um, consequences, and, and clearly we know that there are people on our streets who are struggling with mental illness, with substance use disorder. Um, we know that people are very frustrated, uh, but this is not the solution. This is not um, how you take out your frustrations and your anger. During the opening of a new health care center for the homeless, Mayor Breed says she hopes this new facility will help the homeless in the city and get them off the streets and into treatment. Schools may need to rethink everything, including recruitment, scholarships, standardized testing and alumni preferences, as the Supreme Court is considering a pair of cases that could have huge, huge ramifications on affirmative action. 
The justices heard arguments about whether race-based decisions on college admissions should be stopped. The cases are focusing on if Harvard and the University of North Carolina have been discriminating against Asian American applicants by giving higher preference to black and Hispanic applicants. Those in support say affirmative action acknowledges the desperate effects that racism has on traditionally marginalized Americans. And checking back in with this just horrific weather, at least 19 people have been killed with the death toll expected to rise after a series of storms tore through the south over the weekend. Search and recovery efforts are still underway with people trapped in their homes. Fox, Fox's Charles Watson is in Georgia with the latest. The South still reeling this weekend after a string of tornadoes carved a path of devastation across multiple states. In Georgia, crews are hard at work trying to reach people who could still be trapped. The storms uprooting trees, sending them crashing through homes and vehicles. The winds so strong they even derailed a freight train southeast of Atlanta. Those who were forced to ride it out left shaken by the experience. In Alabama, tornadoes snapped trees and utility poles and damaged or destroyed countless homes. The storm developing so rapidly that people in its path had little time to react. Me and my wife got on the floor and covered ourselves with a mattress. Historic Selma, Alabama, one of the hardest hit communities, homes, businesses, and even churches saw their roofs ripped off and windows blown out. The city synonymous with a turning point in the civil rights movement, now facing a long road to recovery. Even though we have that history, that's our history, and we need to focus on our present and our future. Our president is to get some back up and running. Alabama's governor says she expects President Biden to make a disaster declaration, which will free up federal money and resources to help them rebuild. In Griffin, Georgia, Charles Watson, Fox News. My goodness. Okay, now in California, Biden has ordered federal aid to help areas affected by severe winter storms and subsequent flooding, landslides and mudslides that began back on December 27th. And we've talked a, a few times, Nick Cordelai, about this weather. And we, you know, attached and talk about uh, global warming. And you can have that conversation. But I think sometimes it does not uh, directly address and help those who are on the ground suffering from such uh, devastation and loss, uh, you know, we talk about the material, uh, which, uh, you know, really doesn't even matter uh, most times in cases like this when there's been such a huge uh, loss of, of life. And uh, just looking at some of the videos over the weekend, uh, people, you know, cries of desperation uh, for help. Uh, I, I saw one uh, video where uh, a group of uh, folks were on their porch emerging after the tornado hit, and they thought they heard a baby crying. And you just it was just uh, pure devastation, especially the hardest hit, which would be the Selma area. And as you heard in that package, uh, area that we hold very dear to our hearts when we talk about uh, the civil rights movement and how important that city has been throughout that history. Yeah, and, and to your point earlier about global warming, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we see, just see example after example of climate change, you know, of, uh, you know, really terrible storms that are hitting different parts of the country in different ways. Um, and, you know, I th just sort of keeping a glass half full mm -hmm. perspective on this, I think it's an opportunity to build back better. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've been to Selma uh, and, um, you know, I see sort of the areas where they, it's been void of investment for a long time. And so, you know, there are many blessings that sometimes come from 
tragedies mm -hmm. like this, and I think you know one of those could be supercharging the development mm -hmm. um, in Selma and some of the neighboring areas of Alabama with federal dollars. And so, you know, our hearts continue to be with yeah. uh, the folks on the ground, um, but taking the long view on this, you know, I hope that uh, Selma and the neighboring areas emerge sort of stronger than ever with that additional federal aid. I would agree, definitely. All right, now, well, the impact of Dr. Martin Luther King has lived on for decades and will do so for many years to come. One of the things that Dr. King inspired many to do is give back. Mm. And today, communities across the country are helping one another in the name of Dr. King. Here's a look at the day of service going on in New York City. Take a look. What you do now and what you decide now at this age may well determine which way your life shall go. Martin Luther King Day is the only federal holiday designated as a national day of service to encourage all Americans to volunteer to improve their communities. Across the city, there are many organizations who plan activities around it. Volunteer New York is one of them. Our section is from that building that's on the beach there, that comfort station, all the way to about to this comfort station. You can find activities all over the city, like this one organized in Coney Island to help clean up the beach, and this one in Brooklyn where items were donated benefiting homeless shelters, women in local teen pregnancy housing, and families in domestic violence centers. A day of service is something the city's parks department has been doing for years. I like to volunteer. I like to volunteer at the parks, and I saw that there's this awesome opportunity for MLK Day. There are different things planned in parks in every borough. In Forest Park in Queens, volunteers will participate in leaf raking and vine removal, just like these volunteers who help clean up Malcolm X Park. On MLK Day, in the spirit of Martin Luther King, it's always right to do what's right. That's right, and make sure to check for MLK Day celebration events in your area. Some events run the entire week well into the weekend. Get out there and serve. Indeed. All right, continuing with honoring Dr. King's legacy, songs of joy and praise taking place at Pilgrim Baptist Church. That's in downtown Phoenix, Arizona. With the focus on faith, community, and legacy, Pastor Barnwell says today's holiday is just as important to celebrate as it was decades ago, especially with the state's past surrounding the day. The only state that actually had to vote it as a holiday. And so in doing that, the people came together and said, we want this. And so we came together and decided that we need to keep celebrating, keep it before us, um, keeping the legacy and life of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, living. Indeed, Pastor. Other ways the community in Phoenix is honoring the late civil rights leader today. There's a march, an MLK march from uh, Pilgrim Rest Baptist Church, followed by a festival at Hands Park and a parade in Mesa for those soulmates familiar with the area. And if you're like me and you enjoy a good hike or going to the park, if you're looking for something to do on the holidays, how about visiting a national park for free? 
The U.S. National Park Service is waiving entrance fees at all of its sites today. That includes 63 national parks, such as the Grand Canyon National Park. It's the first of five free days during the year. And the state of Arizona also making it easy to visit state parks. Entrance fees today will be waived for Arizona re residents at more than 30 state parks across Arizona. We love to see it. You know, mm -hmm. you know, Arizona Senator say, John McCain, you know, um, was was slow on the uptake to support the MLK holiday. Yeah, I know we celebrate and, him as a hero, right? however. And if he was representing his constituents, <laughs> I, let me just say, you know, how far Arizona has come, um, certainly in my lifetime. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, the MLK holiday, as we mentioned at the top of the show, was signed mm -hmm. into law by President Reagan mm -hmm. back in 1986, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. I was a toddler at the time. Oh. And, and to think that, you know, a number of folks that are, some of which who are still in Congress today, uh, were slow on the, the oh, uptake yes. to, to support that. Yes. Um, and, but shout out to the spirit of Coretta Scott King mm -hmm. and so many others, you know, who, who kept at it for nearly 20 years. In the entertainment industry. Absolutely, you know? absolutely, to make MLK Day a federal holiday. That's right. I was a, a sophomore in high school, so I, I remember the debate. I remember how slow-footed, uh, if you will, Arizona was. Just a tumultuous uh, debate and how really um, Arizona took a long time to recover um, from being seen, if you will, as a, as, a, as a racist state because they were very adamant about not uh, acknowledging uh, this holiday and not doing uh, what, what folks were, were prompting them to do and what other states around the country had already signed on to do. It was, uh, it was, it was a battle. It really, really was. I remember it clearly. I remember discussing it in, in government class and, and in other classes uh, in, in school because it was, it was the talk of the day. And this is, this is prior to social media. Uh, you had to go to print for a lot of your information or just turn, turn into the national news to kind of hear what was going on. Um, there weren't a lot of, you know, videos from, from the entertainers. You heard the, the, the uh, Stevie Wonder song mm -hmm. and, and that was, uh, you know, pretty much a lead for you to join that cause, but uh, it was a struggle. Yeah. It was a struggle. Well, so, this, so this day is very special when you take a look at that at how it became such a day. Very special and the struggle mm -hmm. still continues. Still ahead, a student athlete's career is over mm. before it even begins. Yeah, we'll tell you the reason why he won't be completing his program. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report on MLK Day. Be able to join hands and singing the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. A University of Alabama basketball player is facing murder charges. Yeah, Darius Miles is accused of shooting and killing a woman near the school's football stadium. Authorities say the shooting appears to be the result of an argument. Tuscaloosa police say the shooting happened early Sunday morning near campus. They say Miles, who is a junior reserve forward, shot into another car killing 23-year-old Jamia Harris. Police say there was no previous relationship and that the shooting stemmed from a minor argument. The university issued a statement saying in part that the, he, quote, has been removed from campus and is no longer on the team. A Philadelphia woman visited a police station to find out why she appeared to have a police record despite 
having done nothing wrong, only to be arrested and put behind bars for nearly a week in a case of mistaken identity. Julie Hudson, a 31-year-old PhD student, visited a Philadelphia police station after discovering that she had a criminal record that led to being repeatedly denied for jobs. According to sources, a surveillance photo from an alleged shoplifting incident near Houston in May of last year was determined to appear similar to a social media image of Hudson. Now, while Hudson has finally been released almost a week after being jailed, her family told sources they were still working to get the mistake removed from her record. My goodness. In addition to the state sentence a Georgia prison inmate is serving, he'll face two decades in federal prison for leading an Augusta area meth ring from behind bars. Now, according to federal prosecutors, Magnum Jelani Neely, an inmate at Dooley State Prison, was sentenced to 278 months in federal prison after previously pleading guilty to conspiracy to possess uh, with intent to destroy 50 grams or more of meth. Neely used contraband phones uh, to contact couriers outside prison to deliver drugs to buyers both inside and outside Georgia prisons. Neely and three co-conspirators were indicted in April of 2022. All four defendants uh, admitted guilt. And you know, this is sort of kind of not surprising. I mean, we've heard stories of, of inmates being able to conduct all kind of business, including in, uh, fashion shows and rap videos uh, due to these cell phones that they somehow are able to uh, get their hands on. There's also, you know, sometimes lots of talk that uh, usually it's it's inside help, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe a corrupt or compromised guard. But, um, you know, I don't get blown away, blown away by these stories uh, too much anymore. You know, when I, when I hear stories like this, I think about, you know, if those transferable skills that he had were applied mm. differently um, outside the prison walls, maybe he wouldn't have ended up in prison at all mm -hmm. if he had the kind of support uh, that he needed to manage any potential uh, meth addiction he might have mm -hmm. had. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so many of those thoughts run through my mind when I see stories like that. I mean, you know, it's, it's organized crime inside the walls of the prison. And, you know, again, if those, if that intellect, if that skill set was applied differently, um, imagine the kind of community building mm -hmm. uh, that uh, he could be a part of. And so, you know, sad to see. Um, but, you know, we also hear so many stories, you know, about you know, illegal activities happening within the prison walls, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, but, but this case like really lays it, lays it out. It's pretty explicit. Yeah, they said it was a huge operation. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and the fact that, you know, they pled guilty, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, yeah, we did it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, um, I hope people learn from this. Yeah. That's all I can say. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know who is uh, learning a lot hmm. about the fight uh, for racial justice? Uh, is uh, Derek Johnson, the NAACP president and CEO, who said that the racial wealth gap is the single greatest barrier to realizing the civil rights dream of the late Martin Luther King Jr. Research indicates that the racial wealth gap between white and black Americans has been widening in recent years. The net worth of an average white household in the U.S has about 10 times that of an average black household, and that was before the COVID-19 pandemic. Derek Johnson said the NAACP will continue to push forward in the fight to cancel student debt, champion efforts to dismantle white supremacy, and ensure justice for all.
It could cost trillions in reparations to repair the financial harm to black people. Duke University professor of public policy, Dr. William Sandy Darity, uh, was featured at the American Economic Association's annual conference this uh, month. Darity, who is the leading black econ uh, economist on black wealth and reparations, says it would cost between 13 and 14 trillion dollars for 247 years of exclusion, including being barred from participating in federal government programs that led to significant wealth for others. Darity says ending slavery didn't lead to an equal playing field and says a reparations program could, quote, finally lead to closure on the harms and damages of the nation's racial history. All right, a reading of Dr. Seuss's book, The Sneetches, comes to an abrupt end when a student points out that the book is about racism. A teacher was reading the book to her third grade class at an Ohio school as a part of NPR's Planet Money podcast. The Sneetches is a species where they were either born with a star on their bellies or no star. The ones with the stars had special privileges and they treated the characters without stars pretty badly. One of the students commented that it was how white people disrespected black people back then. A school administrator made the decision to stop the reading. She says the book was supposed to be a lesson in economics, but there were other themes unfolding that had not been discussed mm. with parents. Mm. Okay. As we continue to honor the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, we also remember those who made a way for blacks well before King gave his first sermon. And there's one museum in Atlanta that's making sure black history is preserved. Take a look. There are so many stories up and down Atlanta's historic Auburn Avenue. And 30 years ago, Reese DeForest, known professionally as Reese International, uncovered one of them by accident. I come up Auburn, turn the corner, and I glance to my left, and I see Madam C.J. Walker on the glass. Slammed on my brakes, parked the car, walked over to the glass window, and just started touching it. The successful makeup and hairstylist says he instantly knew the significance of that name. Madam C.J. Walker was an African-American beauty pioneer, early 1900s, that established a system of marketing for her hair care products that uh, went global. She was a global brand. From my perspective, she was the Muhammad Ali of the beauty business. There were other boxers, but none with the vocal, the swag, the style of Muhammad Ali. Madam C.J. Walker basically had that sort of personality. It turned out this little shop just off Auburn Avenue had once been a licensed Madam C.J. Walker beauty salon. And several years later, searching for a new spot for his own salon, that name on the window called out again. Uh, the space is available. I get the lease and the key. We started stumbling on to beauty tools left here from the 1940s just scattered about. Each bit of history that I was getting started to alter the direction that Reese International would take. And so plans for the Reese International Salon got a makeover. Today, this warm, intimate space is known as the Madam C.J. Walker Museum, a place to honor and preserve the legacies of black beauty pioneers. 
And there's always music playing here. Just look at all that vinyl. Paying homage to groundbreaking black-owned radio station WERD, located in the same building. You're sitting directly under Studio A. Under the watchful eyes of trailblazers, the mission here is to educate new generations, like Jonathan Sims, who was so taken with the space, he came on board as a partner. Because I'm an Atlanta native, coming, growing up and not really knowing about the actual space, I felt like I had missed a part of history. So once I came inside and actually looked around, it was like this is like a gold mine, like a diamond that most Atlantans in the world needs to know about. A diamond gleaming in the heart of Atlanta and a name on the window that continues to inspire. Amazing. Who knew? We, you do now. Uh, Atlanta's Madam C.J. Walker Museum is open daily. Soulmates, we got to uh, make a trip uh, to Atlanta. Uh, Nick you were just there. I was just there this weekend, yeah. and if I would have known about this museum, I, I would have gone to check it out. Right up in there. I love a good museum experience, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, for anybody that ever had a chance to take a look at the uh, Madam C.J. Walker series on Netflix, I believe, very good. Uh, starring Octavia Spencer, mm -hmm. um, you know what a great opportunity to learn more about uh, this trailblazer. I mean, she was dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think that she's amazing, go watch that series. <laughs> uh, you, you, your, your level of fandom mm -hmm. over Madam C.J. Walker is going to go mm -hmm. up, up, up. Yeah, get you started for, for February. You know, it's not just, you know, it's not just uh, allocated for February. Right, this we celebrate 365. Day, 365. There it is. You also check out Bessie, the, um, the Bessie... Bessie Smith? Yeah, story. Yeah. I think that was, uh, oh, it, uh, she, you know, the actress. Who? How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Viola played, Davis. That's it, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a good one, too. Yeah. As long yeah. as you're playing catch-up. Yeah. And you think about Ma Rainey, Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey, Ma Rainey. that's it. Ma Rainey. Bessie Smith was a part yes, of it. Right. Yes, yeah. that's okay. right, that's right, that's right. We just wanted to make sure we got know, it right for the soulmates. I know, I know. Coming up, we continue our celebration of Dr. King and his dream. Plus, a historic black church is being honored. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. So Ma Rainey influenced Bessie Smith, mm -hmm. that's it. To be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Welcome back, Soulmates. Thank you so much for joining us on this MLK Day. If you're doing just that, let us uh, tap back into some of today's top headlines. A University of Alabama basketball player is facing murder charges. Darius Miles is accused of shooting and killing a woman near the school's football stadium. Authorities say the shooting appears to be the result of an argument. Tuscaloosa uh, police say the shooting happened early Sunday morning near campus. They say Miles, who is a junior reserve forward, shot into another car, killing 23-year-old Jamia Harris. Police say there was no previous relationship and that the shooting stemmed from a minor argument. 31-year-old Julie Hudson, a Ph.D. student, is seeking answers after she was wrongfully arrested and jailed for nearly a week. Hudson visited the Philly police station after discovering she had a criminal record when she says she was repeatedly being denied jobs, according to a police surveillance photo from an alleged shopping shoplifting incident at a sports store near Houston in May of last year was determined to appear similar to social media images of Houston. 
while um, excuse me, uh, Hudson, while Hudson was finally uh, released almost a week after being jailed, her family told sources they were still working to get the mistake removed from her record. And NAACP president and CEO Derek Johnson said the racial wealth gap is the single greatest barrier to realizing the civil rights dream of the late Martin Luther uh, King Jr. Research indicates that the racial wealth gap between white and black Americans has been widening in recent years. The net worth on average uh, of an average white household in the U.S. was about 10 times that of an average black household before the COVID-19 pandemic. Johnson said the NAACP will continue to push forward in the fight to cancel student debt, uh, champion efforts to dismantle white supremacy and ensure justice for all. And finally, almost 40 years ago today, President Ronald Reagan signed documents making Martin Luther King's birthday a federal holiday. 18 years after his death, that sent anger and sadness through much of the nation. However, on today's show, we are gonna to continue to preview all of our soulmates, uh, the special ceremonies and events happening all across the nation to honor the legacy of the most iconic civil rights leader ever. The court alive, back to you. Thank you, Courtney. And, and speaking of legacy, civil rights activist and feminist Casey Hayden has died. Hayden was an important organizer for the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee during its push for civil rights in the early 1960s. Hayden attended a SNCC conference in October 1960 and began working for the organization in Atlanta under Ella Baker, a respected figure in the civil rights movement. She took the last of the Freedom Rides of 1961, bus trips through the South intended to protest segregated bus terminals. She also co-authored two papers that called out sexism within the organization and in society in general, documents that are credited with helping to inspire second wave feminism. The SNCC Digital Gateway and Internet Archive of the Movement posted news of her death on its website. No cause was given. She was 85 years old. A New Orleans school desegregated by a young girl in 1960 is now officially a stop on the Louisiana Civil Rights Trail. A marker was unveiled to commemorate the event. Ruby Bridges was only six years old when she walked into William France Elementary School 63 years ago. Bridges was not at the event. Members of her family were there, though, uh, as, lieutenants, uh, as Louisiana's lieutenant governor spoke of the family's courage during a time when desegregation was greatly opposed. Three other black children integrated another school on that same day. It was Bridges who walked into France with, uh, well, by herself with federal marshals. That moment is captured in a Norman Rockwell painting. A historic church in Chicago gets a special designation from the city. Greater Union Baptist Church now has preliminary landmark status. All right, soulmates, that means the church's architectural elements, including the stained glass windows and brick facade, are protected. The church was built in, 19, in 1886. It was bought by a Black Baptist collective in 1928. The church has been at the forefront of social justice and has amplified the needs of the Black community. There's been an effort to preserve historical black churches across the country. 
And today, many ceremonies will honor the incredible life and dream of Martin Luther King Jr. And over the weekend, his family took this opportunity to remind people to give back. Take a look. Today marks the 40th Martin Luther King Jr. holiday as the nation honors the life and legacy of the historic civil rights leader whose timeless messages of peace and unity continue to inspire countless people around the country and the world. If we don't individually espouse and hold those values high collectively, we will never realize the dream. Leading up to today's federal holiday, crowds in St. Louis gathered over the weekend to commemorate Dr. King's work with a March for Peace. Marchers were out Sunday in San Diego, California. It's a celebration of unity, of freedom, of equality. Um, it's and it's a celebration of togetherness. You know, I think that's what those, those are things that Dr. King embodied. Meanwhile, Sunday in Atlanta, President Biden celebrated Dr. King's birthday with a sermon at Ebenezer Baptist Church, the same house of worship where King served as pastor. We have to choose. A community over chaos. Are we the people who are going to choose love over hate? In Boston, the city where Dr. King first met his wife, members of the King family helped unveil a new statue on Friday honoring his work. The bronze sculpture, depicting four arms embracing, was inspired by a 1964 picture taken of the Kings after learning Dr. King won the Nobel Peace Prize. King's granddaughter calling on the nation to embrace his teachings and to use today's holiday as a time to give back to others. Let's make it a great day of community service, a day of brotherhood, a day of sisterhood, a day of using your platform for good. Oh, she's getting so big. Make sure to check for MLK Day celebrations uh, in your area. Some events last the entire week on in to the weekend. Again, uh, what a time to continue to remember and celebrate and reflect. And I, and I, I'm, I might have shared this on uh, on Foxhole's Black Report. I might have shared it with you. But my mother-in-law, mm -hmm. uh, her bestie in college, oh, that's right. uh, was the babysitter uh -huh. uh, for uh, the Kings, and they're both their names were both Betty, and they used to drive on down uh, to the King residence to babysit. I think the first two um, were, were, were around, and uh, my mother-in-law uh, walked into the house, and Dr. King called her to his back office. <laughs> I'm looking at her like, what? And she's just saying this just matter-of-factly. We were eating breakfast. This was maybe last Christmas or something. She said, yeah. I said, well, well what did Dr. King want? She said, well, he had to go do a speech in Huntsville. You know I'm from Huntsville. So he called me back there and asked me, did, what, what did he need to know about Huntsville? And I said, hey, what did you tell him? She said, well, it's a nice place. I said, so, and so it just blew my mind yeah. because you, you, you never see sometimes or never hear about the Kings in that light that, you know, they were human. They were a young couple uh, who started a family and had children and had needs like, you know, for a babysitter. And my mother-in-law's, um, uh, I think they were all sorors, um, happened to be besties with the babysitter. And so they would, as a couple, go down and babysit the King kids. And King was there just chilling back in the office, probably writing a speech or so. Amazing. That's so cool. Amazing. That is so cool. It's so cool that, you know, we get to spend this day really celebrating yeah. 
uh, a really incredible human being. Mm. I mean, it's not very often that you see, you know, black men celebrated as unifying figures around the world, mm -hmm. right? And so while it's King Day here in the United States, there are places around the world uh, that are recognizing the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and not the sanitized version, might I That's say, right. you know, the real, the deal, real deal version. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I was just reading something this morning on the plane that said that uh, there was a Gallup poll that was taken a couple years before he was assassinated. Mm -hmm. You know, would you believe that, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King was, you know, one of the least liked people, mm. probably the most disliked people uh, in the country mm. um, uh, at the time. And so it's interesting, you know, how time has really um, served him and his legacy well. And I think it will continue to serve him well uh, and hopefully our community well, well into the future. Absolutely. Up next, a Detroit native takes us on a trip down memory lane. We the, love to share that. All right, the incredible story of when he met Dr. King. When we return, you're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. All right, soulmates, did you know Stevie Wonder's happy birthday song was written to celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Did you know that? You, you, it wasn't written for the black birthday parties? I didn't know that. What? <laughs> no. in, in 1981, Wonder, who had been a strong, I mean, a strong supporter of the civil rights movement throughout his career, wanted to do something to help the campaign for the establishment of a national holiday in honor of the civil rights icon. He wrote, happy birthday as a way to raise awareness about the importance of establishing a national holiday to honor Dr. King. That's right. The song was an immediate mm -hmm. hit, as you can imagine, reaching the top of the Billboard Hot 100 charts and staying there for three weeks. Not only was it an enormous commercial success, mm -hmm. but it also helped draw attention to the campaign and put pressure on politicians to pass legislation establishing the King holiday. And it changed the game because we never went back to the regular version. That's right. All righty. It, uh, what we're calling the first-hand history as a Detroiter, is recalling how he felt when uh, he first met Dr. King and the work he did to help out with the civil rights movement. Fox's Brandon Hudson, our buddy, has the heartwarming story. Before you even walk into Dayboe headquarters, you're already greeted with history. This is Reverend Horace Sheffield Jr. with Jackie Robinson. But today we want to focus on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This is Reverend Sheffield with Dr. King here. We spoke to Reverend Sheffield's son, Reverend Horace Sheffield III, about the relationship his dad had with the iconic civil rights leader. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Generations later, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech lives on, but few of us were in Washington, D.C. to hear it in 1963. I was there, I sold buttons. Uh, I went to planning meetings. At nine years old, Reverend Horace Sheffield III still remembers that historic day. His dad, Reverend Horace Sheffield Jr. and Dr. King formed a friendship during the 1950s. This, this is 57, this is the first meeting 
uh, out of which the Southern Christian Leadership Conference was funded by the UAW. At the Detroit Association of Black Organizations office, we saw photos of Sheffield Jr. and Dr. King. And I look back on those days and it, it, was, it, was, it was the formation of me. Uh, having a chance to be there and see these people. The elder Sheffield's work as a black trade unionist helped bring the civil rights leader to visit Detroit. So I would just say to you that my dad loved Dr. King. Uh, he believed he was a genuine article. Uh, he risked his own life going in the South. Any stories you can share? Yeah, I, you know, I tell people, I've been telling people, the one that, that, that sticks out, um, he was in my father's basement down across from Old Miller Junior High School. And you know, first of all, I was standing about eight feet from him. I was mesmerized, you know, and I always felt like he was, you know, speaking to me spiritually. He said to me when I came over and was talking to him, he said, son, you see all these people trying to impress me. And, and uh, I have a Nobel Peace Prize and I don't try to impress anybody. I mean, he was just so down there. It was Dr. King's sensible personality, which made him so magnetic. Decades after Dr. King's assassination, Reverend Horace Sheffield III keeps King's legacy alive in the fight for voting rights. I think if Dr. King was living today, he would put every ounce of his being into convincing us that the only thing we have left is our vote. The very Local leaders making sure Dr. King's legacy marches on. On Detroit's West Side, Brandon Hudson, Fox 2 News. I thanks to Brandon for that. That was a great piece yeah. by Brandon. Um, and you know, just the fact that he was nine years old. He was mm -hmm. nine years old and he had that encounter with Dr. Martin Luther mm -hmm. King Jr. And, mm -hmm. and one of the things he said in that piece was that he felt that Dr. King was sort of speaking to him spiritually. That's right. right? And you know that really just sort of stuck with me because you've heard so many people who've had encounters with Martin Luther King sort of mm -hmm. speak to that quality that he had, where he could sort of speak to you in a way that kind of transcended, you know, your life, your circumstance. Um, you know, he just had that effect that that uh, transformational leaders tend to have. Which, which to me, kind of exemplifies. Um, his anointing, he was so young. And you would think chronologically speaking, how could someone that young have so much depth, so much uh, intellect, so much um, uh, insight? I just feel that, that it's just proof that he was just anointed and chosen. Uh, and that uh, this was, of, of course, his assignment. You can kind of tell in the memoirs at time he was like, oh, why me, why me? Uh, but then, you know, of, you know, taking on the attitude of why not me? Uh, his speeches have, have gone on to be you know, named wonders of the world. You know, you have you know, eight, nine, you know, seven wonders of the world. His has been officially named as one of those wonders uh, of the world because of just how masterfully uh, he put together those speeches and those thoughts. And it just speaks to the anointing. A lot of times we forget how young, how young Dr. King uh, was at the beginning, at the onset, and even uh, towards the end of, uh, of his life. And to me, it just speaks that he was chosen. This yeah. is just his path. Yeah, and as somebody who is in their late 30s, mm -hmm. to think that, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated in his late 30s. Yeah. I think he was 38 or 39 years mm -hmm. old mm -hmm. when he was assassinated. I mean, to think about all that he's accomplished and, you know, how his work has stood the test of time mm -hmm. and how so many people were touched and moved by him and he influenced, you know, their life goals, mm -hmm. their life missions. Uh, what an incredible feat for somebody only in their late 30s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed. 
Samuel L. Jackson and his wife Latanya Richardson have made a donation of $25,000 to the One Million Books campaign. The donation was presented at the 2023 Theater Communications Group Our Stories Gala in New York, where the couple was honored. Richardson is in New York directing, directing the Broadway hit The Piano Lesson, produced by Candy Burris and Todd Tucker. In her speech, Richardson mentioned the importance of TCG keeping Wilson's work alive with their campaign. She stated we're there, uh, no, what they're doing to put uh, August Wilson's plays and his century cycle into libraries, universities, and schools everywhere is extraordinary. And before books are banned altogether, we should all work together to make sure this occurs. End of that quote. Uh, with the uh, donation, the gala raised over $300,000. Speaking of a lot of money, one of Kobe Bryant's Laker jerseys is up for auction and it's expected to fetch between five and seven million dollars. That's right. The latest jersey is a game worn Los Angeles Lakers Bryant jersey he wore from the start of the season in 2007 until the end of the Western Conference finals on May 29, 2008. The jersey was worn by the Black Mamba in five preseason games, 14 regular season games, and six playoff games. Mm -hmm, got a lot of wear. Uh, <laughs> the jersey was also worn during his only NBA MVP winning season. It goes up for auction in February, according to Sotheby's, the company listing the jersey. Oh, doesn't get any bigger than Sotheby. Well, you know, oh, I don't know no, how much you're going to put on it. Uh, if it's worth five to seven, how much you gonna put on it? I, you know, listen, you know, with Kobe and the legacy, absolutely priceless. So I wouldn't put anything on it because items like that are priceless. And I'm really surprised a lot of of, of his, um, well, maybe not surprised that that it's actually gone to the auction block. I would I would think that the owners, whoever you know had possession of it, would just keep it for a keepsake. Uh, but maybe you know the proceeds would go to maybe some of his many causes uh, that are in his name. I don't know, but it's priceless, so I wouldn't put anything on it. Well, we can, I don't have nothing to put on. We'll, it. we'll keep hope alive. <laughs> That's right. Still ahead are black excellence stories. Yep. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss. Uh, you're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. We'll be right back after this. To be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. A 17-year-old's courageous act earns him the highest honor in the U.S. Army's JROTC program. That's right. Cadet 2nd Lieutenant Kaheem Bailey Taylor's bravery and mission of wanting to help others recently earned him a Medal of Heroism. Following his action to save a friend's life after a shooting in North Philadelphia, in August 2022, Bailey Taylor attended a birthday party and moments after leaving, gunshots broke out. He then headed back to the residence. He tended to the three victims before helping a classmate with life-threatening injuries. While applying pressure to the wound, Bailey Taylor kept the victim alert until paramedics came. A ceremony was held to honor Bailey Taylor as he was presented the Medal of Heroism. After graduation, he plans to pursue a career in Homeland Security. 
All right, moving along, Caden Hearn was the talk of the town in New York after serving as the Poet Laureate at the governor's inauguration on New Year's Day. The nine-year-old uh, Harlem Honor Roll student who received a personal invitation from the state's first elected woman governor stole the show. Governor Hochul uh, told the audience she first met Caden outside Harlem's Apollo Theater as he prepared to recite for Amateur Night. Caden says his grandmother is his inspiration Aww. because she told him to, quote, write down my mm. thoughts about what's happening around the world. We loved, love, love, love to see it. Very sweet. I just can't wait to see what he goes on to do as he gets uh, older. Yeah, he reminds me of uh, the young lady who uh, spoke at yeah. the inaugural. Uh, I can't think of her name. Mm -hmm. Amanda. That's yes. it. Amanda Gordon. That's well, it. Well, we want to wish you a happy MLK Day. I'm Nicordelai Cortez. And I'm Courtney Hicks. Until next time, everybody, stay lifted. We will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last.